Welcome to another episode of Rough Talk VR, a weekly podcast with in-depth game reviews, exclusive developer interviews, and the latest Oculus Quest news. We join our hosts, D Scruffles and Stratus2k1 today as they spend another episode breaking down and discussing the Oculus Quest virtual reality world. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Rough Talk VR. Today we get to talk to another very talented developer, uh, the developer of a game that you know, if you listen to our review of it, I went crazy for it. <laughs> yeah, you uh, still do. We're talking to E. McNeil of Iron Lights. Uh, so, my friend, do you mind to introduce us to our listeners? And in case they've never played our game or played that game or, you know, listened to our review of it, you know, tell us a little bit about what your game is. Sure. So uh, I'm E. McNeil. I'm the dev of Iron Lights. Um, I also made a bunch of other games. Iron Lights is my fifth VR game, but all the others were before the era of the uh, Oculus Quest and Six Degree of Freedom VR. So mostly my focus has been on Iron Lights recently, and uh, that is a slow motion melee fighting game, focusing on 1v1 combat, a lot of focus on multiplayer and you know direct competitive scene, um, kind of like a esports version of like medieval combat in the future or something like that. Oh, and where did you get the idea for the slow motion element of it? Uh, was that because of, you know, me and Stratus were going back and forth with it. We kind of figured out if it was because of like hardware limitations or if that was to add to the strategy of it. I went more with the strategy element to stop people from just going out there and gooning it like crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was definitely for the strategy element. Um, one thing that's a little silly about the uh, development of the game, um, all of the games more or less that I made before Iron Lights were strategy games. And then I went to go try to make an action game. And my, uh, my code developer joked that I accidentally turned it into a strategy game as well. I wanted it to be the sort of thing where you could see where the hit was coming from and move to block it. You could sort of react in, you know, in a reasonable amount of time, even if you didn't have like instant reflexes. And um, I think that that was more or less successful. The, the point that you made, I, I listened to your review, and the point that you made about how that helps the tracking, with, especially early on when the quest had just come out, that was more of a happy accident. Um, one of the things you can do actually in Iron Lights is if you make a custom game, you can see what it's like without the slow motion. You can actually go into a match with a friend and set the speed to 100% so that it doesn't slow down at all. And what you find is it kind of becomes a slap fight, at least with the way that the physics are and you know the rest of the game is set up with all the different melee mechanics. It's more about just like hitting people before they can react than it is about like strategizing or reading your opponent's you know actions and stuff. With single player, I can sort of like cheat a little bit because I'm recording the animate the like the motions of the enemy. So for instance, I can make them do big exaggerated movements that you could realistically, you know, read in real time and predict what they're going to do. But in multiplayer, it really falls apart at full speed. So you were you were right then. Yeah, well, because I used the ninja and I was like, all right. If they didn't have the the speed limitation at all, mm-hmm. you know, You'd just be windmilled. Yeah, I don't want to talk crap about myself, but it would it would be very annoying if it's not already annoying as is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, so, uh, no, it becomes kind of hilarious actually. Ninja battles in uh, in multiplayer, and you can turn on like one of the other you know mechanics that's kind of key to Iron Lights that a lot of people aren't sure of like the provenance of it is uh, the sort of one sided fighting. One player is always on attack and one player can only defend and can't hit the other one. And the purpose of that is because if you could just hit the other guy, you're always better off just doing that. 
you'd, you'd always rather do the, the damage rather than try to block their hit if you had to choose. And so if you, you can go into the custom game and turn on two-sided fighting and turn the speed up to 100%, and at that point, you're basically ignoring what the other person is doing, and you're just slapping them as fast as possible. And we, especially with the ninja, those, those fights get kind of hilarious. We've seen some, uh, some GIFs and some sort of joke tournaments with those settings turned on. Yeah, no, definitely. I can see how that would eliminate all all strategy of it. And you joke that your your co-developer kind of laughed at you from turning an action game into a strategy game. But for me, that's what made me love it is that you couldn't just go in there and and, you know, go crazy with no strategy. You had to be smart when you're going to charge, when you're going to attack, you know, when you're going to prepare to defend. All right. The guy just charged up. You know, let me go get him quick because now he's vulnerable. You know, it uh, that turn based element to me added a, a, you know, way more replayability. Um, but we kind of glossed over. You said you mentioned uh, you developed five games before, right? Do you want to tell us a little uh, bit about what these previous ones were? Yeah, five VR games. Um, so I backed the Oculus Rift Kickstarter back in 2012, and I got one of the first um, you know early DK1 development kits in 2013. And I started playing around with it right away. Um, Oculus way back in the day, held a, a little competition for indie game devs to make a small game or app, and they would judge it and you know pick winners. And in one of the categories, my entry was the winner. And it was like a hacking game. And that led me to decide, okay, I guess I'm doing VR for now. And like 10 years later, here I am still the, you know, the VR guy. I kind of fell into it. Um, at the time, I was just kind of experimenting. But that you know that became my first VR game, Darknet, which was released on the Gear VR, which was you know Oculus's first commercial product. They were sort of collaborating with Samsung at the time, but that came out on the Oculus Rift as a launch title, and then was quickly followed up by a sort of trilogy of um, three strategy games called Tactera, Skylight, and Astraeus that were all kind of I called them like virtual tabletop games. They all took place on like a sort of game board in front of you with all the pieces rendered as holograms and you'd be moving around little, you know, tanks or starships or whatever, depending on the game. And so uh, that was like directed at the Oculus go and that kind of generation of uh, hardware. And then when the Oculus quest was coming out, I really wanted to switch to doing something that took advantage of six degrees of freedom, hand tracking, all of that. And uh, I was really inspired by games like, um, Super Hot, Beat Saber, Gorn, some of the the games like that, and I was trying to figure out how to do like a you know a particular sort of fantasy of VR combat that involved you know more of this sort of strategic element or that had like slowed things down enough you could be thoughtful, much in the way that I thought Super Hot was very successful. You know that that's a game that's like it feels like an action game, but it also feels like you can plan out what you're going to do, and you can imagine kind of stepping very slowly through a really cool action scene, you know, action fight scene. Um, and I wanted to kind of bring that to life in a different way. And I ended up with iron lights. No, that, that, that's freaking awesome. And I won't lie. Me and Travis are always talking about that. We want more strategy games in on the quest, uh, especially, you know, tabletop games. Have you ever thought about bringing these older titles of yours over to the quest or is it kind of, you know, dead and dead and done? I've thought about it. And actually, there was a kind of pilot program that Oculus did where on the Quest 1, you could play certain games that were available on Oculus Go. They made it so they automatically sort of worked, just transferred over just fine. And two of my games were included in that. So 
I know that technically all of the games can work on the Quest. Um, so I might bring them to App Lab or something like that later. I don't know if Oculus is you know that interested in bringing them to the store, though some of them were fairly successful, and I feel like there's you know people who would be interested in that. Um, but the, the real answer is like personally, I've just been very focused on Iron Lights. That's kind of been my baby for the last few years, and uh, I'm working on a sequel now. So I I kind of don't want to take my attention away from all of that work to try to bring older games to you know to the present day. No, I completely understand that. I will say though, if you ever, I ever see those on App Lab, I'll I'll pick them up. You know, the day I see them. But uh, so a sequel, I'm 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 excited yeah, for sequel this. Sequel was one of the the questions I had asked because someone had commented on one of our sites that you know, hey, there's there's going to be a, a sequel, sequel to this. Yeah. Know? So do you have any news <laughs> on like when we might see that, or is it way too early in that in the stage to start talking about that? Well, I don't. I, I absolutely can't promise dates. Um, it's, it's early enough that I would get myself in trouble if I started trying to guess when stuff was going to be playable and publicly available. Um, I, I can talk more about sort of what the vision for it is because the, the, the dirty truth is I probably shouldn't even call it a sequel at this point. It's totally like a new genre compared to iron lights. Like iron lights is a one V one fighting game. In some way, it's analogous to Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, you know, Soul Calibur type of fighting games. Uh, The new game, call it a spinoff, I guess. The idea was to take a lot of the melee combat mechanics that I thought worked in Iron Lights and then to bring that to uh, like a four-player co-op mode um, with sort of like a roguelite structure binding it together. Um, if If you've played Hades, I was really inspired by the progression system there. And I wanted to play around with that. I wanted to simplify some of the stuff that I thought was too complex in Iron Lights, um, maybe actually getting rid of the slow-mo system, and then um, expand on the stuff that people were thought was missing or the things that I've gotten a lot of requests for. Like I know people really wanted 2v2 mode or co-op modes to be able to play with more than just one person in the game with you at a time. Um, that's been a request you know, for a long time, but the code for Iron Lights was so focused on making 1v1 as fast and as you know competitively viable as possible that I couldn't really expand it to include all these other features. So the idea is I'm going to do this sequel, this new game, do all the stuff that I couldn't do the first time that people have you know been asking for and uh, try to really knock that out of the park. As a result, I think the focus is going to go away a little bit from PvP, but I do hope to include the option to fight other players, including like 2v2 mode and stuff like that. Yeah, but but yeah, the the bigger focus is going to be on the sort of four player co op adventure style mode. Holy I'm, shit, I'm psyched. Yeah, that's and, that's big news. Me and Travis go crazy for co op games. That's big news. That's 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 what we love. So for this <laughs> gameplay to to exist in a a fashion that we can work together, oh man, I'm I'm so. And excited. you know what's crazy when when I first started playing Iron Lights, the whole offensive defensive approach. For a little bit, I wasn't like I'm like man. I don't know if I'm sold on this, but I actually enjoyed the fact that because I'm the type that given the opportunity, yeah, I'm just going to keep going in and and try to I'm going to be constantly on the offense. And so to have to oh, yeah. be forced defense and then, you know, the whole recharging of your every time you defend or you strike, you have to move the weapon behind you. I'm like, this is just absolutely crazy. So my million dollar question to you, because I'm assuming you play your own game and you're quite good at it. How do you fare in the the playing against 
you know, other players? Uh, I don't know if I am quite good at it by today's standards. <laughs> there was, there was like a day, a glorious day where I was the best iron lights player in the world. And that, you know, that ended, you know, the beta came out and immediately people were crushing me. Um, some of the people who play this game are just nuts. And, you know, you'd think that I know all the tricks cause I, I programmed the game. Not so the, the people who play this game, there's enough like emergent behavior in the physics that I cannot keep up with a lot of the people who are playing. Um, so the game has like a ranking system in multiplayer and I'm frequently asked by my players what rank I'm, I am. Uh, I, the truth is I don't know because when I'm testing the game, I'm constantly having to like reset my save data or, you know, wipe my progress and stuff like that. I suspect that if my rank was just allowed to float freely, I'd be somewhere in like the high gold or middle platinum levels, which is, you know, pretty good, but kind of middling <laughs> overall. But I guess compared to the people who hang out in the Discord, which is, you know, my, my biggest exposure to the uh, Iron Lights community. Yeah, which for our listeners, if you don't know, you, you can tell them a little bit more about it, but it seems like you have a, a very flourishing Discord community with passionate community, leagues, champions, tournaments, uh, all this sort of stuff. So, so hats off to you. Do you want to shout out your, your Discord real quick? Oh, yeah, they're awesome. Uh, if you want to check out the Discord, there's a link on ironlightsgame.com. And uh, yeah, it's it's not like the biggest Discord community, but it's very active and they're awesome, you know, friendly really devoted to the game. And yeah, we've been able to hold a bunch of fun events like uh, tournaments for a while. We did like semi-official tournaments with actual prize money. Um, and now we're kind of doing more like for fun stuff or like, you know, to show off. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great group and they, they run a bunch of uh, sort of self-organized stuff as well, where you can like try to claim special titles and roles and uh, you know, sort of establish a reputation for yourself among that community. Yeah. And I'll say my experience in posting in there, I popped in there and everybody there was extremely welcoming. You know, there was no toxicity, no immaturity or anything like that. So, you know, definitely, definitely a great community. Just out of curiosity, though, what class do you use or do you hop around? Well, I, I have to hop around, you know, for testing purposes to make sure I understand sort of like what it's like to play all of them. But the class that is nearest and dearest to my heart is the duelist. I think that each of the classes the is kind of meant to, yeah, it's meant to embody a different sort of fantasy of melee combat. Like if you're the giant barbarian with the huge sword or like the, you know, martial artist with a staff or whatever, um, the duelist is supposed to be like straight out of, you know, a fencing princess bride, that type of thing. You know, that's what really excites me. And the kind of like the braggadocio of that style really appeals to me. I want to like, I want to embody that. Now, I know that this might be a hard question to answer, but do you have a least favorite? Um, well, I guess there's there's differences because there's like least favorite to play personally. And then there's the ones that have been the biggest headache for me as a developer. So which should I answer? Uh, you can give us both. I'd actually be interested yeah, in both. I'm curious of the headache one personally. Yeah. Well, I let me think. Um, least favorite to play personally you know, maybe maybe the Berserker, which is the class that uses a giant Warhammer. And I'd say that's not so much because I think it's bad or, you know, clumsy or anything like that. But uh, that was the class that was kind of initially proposed by my dev partner. There, there was one other dev that was full-time on the game for a while. Um, 
I, I sort of started off prototyping it and then he came in with me to, uh, you know, be the other full-time programmer for most of the game's main production phase. And towards the end of his time working on the game, um, my friend Jeff created the Berserker as sort of like his brainchild. And so, yeah, I think it's awesome, but it's the one that, that didn't like come directly from my head. In terms of which classes were the biggest headache to create, definitely it was the Ninja and the Scourge, the two classes that both have dual weapons, one in each hand, because they're kind of impossible to fully block. And so it's it's been a lot of difficulty balancing those so that they feel fair to when they fight against all the other classes who only have one weapon. In some cases, that's been easier than in others. I think we've ended up in a pretty good spot. And I think it's really important for the game to have classes that have a weapon in each hand, but they were definitely the hardest to work with. Would one technically have an advantage then playing with the the Scourge? Well, maybe. Um, I don't think so anymore, but when the first both of those classes first came out, they had a while where they were kind of unbeatable if you fought somebody who was using a certain style. At this point, I don't think that's true anymore, but they do have kind of a, a different like strategic outlook, different strategies that can work where, um, I don't know, I could go into sort of the weeds of like high level competitive iron lights, gameplay dynamics. I don't know if you want to get quite to that. Um, but it, it affects sort of like the, the viable strategies that those classes can use. I I would take whatever tips I can get. Cause I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm not, you know, D scruffles over here. He plays you know, human beings and does quite well for himself. You were on a good little run for a while. Yeah. But once I got to the high, high levels, I got smacked. People got real good at dancing around me, <laughs> taunting. No, I had people putting their, their, their weapons down and basically just ducking and moving and I couldn't hit shit. And then they ended it when they wanted to, it was that kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's like any, I mean, any advice for anybody would be freaking huge because that was that blew me away that someone could actually do such a thing I'm like all right i mean it happens to me too so don't take <laughs> it too personally you know that that speaks to their skill um yeah I, well with the ninja and scourge i would say it's true that you can't you know most opponents cannot block every single hit from a determined melee attack from those and so you can kind of use their melee attacks for harassment in a way that you can't with bigger slower classes and by harassment, what I mean is um, whenever you hit an enemy, it slows down the rate of energy regeneration that they have. They're sort of stamina bar. So one of the key you know, strategic aspects of Iron Lights is like your energy regenerates when you're not in melee combat, and it regenerates at an accelerating rate. So the, the longer that you can let it go, the faster and more efficient it is at regenerating. But that gets sort of reset to, to zero uh, like regeneration whenever you take a hit. So that's like one of the big reasons that you have to watch out for ranged attacks and stuff. They don't do a ton of damage, but I call them harassment where you have to be on the guard for them because they'll cut off your energy and kind of starve you out, make it so that you, you know, maybe your melee attacks are twice as efficient as the other guy, but if you've only got half the time, half the energy to spend on melee attacks, you're still going to lose out in the end. Yeah, that's the strategy. There's, there's more strategy to this game than I had given it credit for when we started playing. And um, even to this day, I mean, I'll, I will get absolutely annihilated um, when I play. I seem to do all right playing the, the, the NPCs though. 
Like if in I just the, pick in a the match, campaign. Yeah. If I just pick a match and do that, I, you know, I've even jumped ahead numerous numbers and I do great. And then I think I've won only a couple of legit online matches though. And I, I, well, I don't think I've ever beaten you. No. I, and again, ever. I, I went like 20 and oh, something like that until I got to the high levels in, in online. And then I got, got spanked, but no, the strategy is deep. And I fought definitely as a counter fighter with a ninja. I would kind of wait for the guy to charge up or wait for him to attack first. I felt pretty confident in my ability to block since I had, you know, with two swords to block with, you have a, a pretty good range to block with. So I would, I would fight very defensively at first until they, they either wasted their first attack or charged up. And then I would go in and just, you know, play waste. Yeah. I would, I, my, you know, not to give spoilers anybody I, I play with is kind of getting to know my attack, but I would either go, I would usually go up top and then to the left. And then once they started getting used to the left, then I would sneak it over to the right. And that basic strategy carried me very far. But then once I started that, fighting, fighting good players, you know, just like combat sports, that's not enough. You know, you need to, to really mix it up. I mean, what you're describing seems like, you know, the perfect encapsulation of like iron light strategy of being unpredictable, like trying to set your opponent's expectations in a certain way and then violate those expectations to surprise them. <laughs> and when you're defending, you're trying to do the opposite. You're trying to accurately predict what the opponent is about to do, even knowing that they're trying to, to screw you up and violate those expectations again. Um, I also wanted to say, you know, you were talking about playing uh, the campaign and doing pretty well there. That means that you too have defeated me in Iron Lights Combat because most of those bots were recorded from, uh, you know, probably 75% of the bots were my <laughs> recordings. So, uh, yeah, I love yeah, that you, feature you that you can several times now. That's, that's awesome. Freaking, that's actually really cool to know. And uh, for anybody who hasn't played Iron Lights, you can create custom bots and like create their own movements and then even upload them to the community, play, you know, download other ones. Uh, and it, if you play through the campaign, you get to the highest level, that gold tier, you'll look at the bios of some of the the enemies, which, by the way, I love as somebody who loves that little bit of role playing and immersion. Uh, it gets me more immersed, but that that's a different conversation. Nonetheless, <laughs> you get to the highest level. You look at, you know, that last year of enemies. And a lot of them are fan made enemies that you you added into the game. That's that's really cool. Well, uh, that was a reward for them winning tournaments. So those are some of the top players in the game. And uh, is is that done, or do you have plans to to keep adding adding more players or at more bots? Point, I, I should say. Yeah, at some point, I need to probably put a stop to it because there are going to be so many <laughs> that it fills out the entire campaign. But there's still a few to come. There's a, p- a couple people who have sent me bots, and it's just a matter of when the next update comes out that they're going to be included in the game. That's a that's that's a unique touch. Yeah, it adds a lot to the community engagement and. Uh, I'm not really a big sports fan guy. I, I'm not big into basketball, you know, football, anything like that. But I love combat sports, boxing, MMA. So I'm a sucker for those video games. And, you know, every time they come out, they have pretty much that exact same type of campaign where, you know, maybe you train a little bit, then you fight, you go up the leaderboards, you get a title and that's it. So I'm a sucker for those type of campaigns, even though they're, you know, one might say they're quote unquote bare bones. You know, for me that I love it because I can play through the campaign. By the time I get to the gold tier and I've won the championship title and I'm the number one ranked in the campaign, I'm competent enough to go in the online versus like if I just just went in and maybe there was a quick play mode and then an online, I'm probably only going to do like two or three quick play modes. Then I go online and then I get smacked because, you know, I barely played the game, but I play through that that 
that long campaign. You know, for me, it's it's immersive enough. It's fun. And then it gets me really, really competent at the game. And like I referenced before, uh, there's like a leaderboard of enemies. And each one you click on, you gave a nice little like probably two to three sentences at the most about, you know, who they are, you know, some little silly antic about them like this person. uh, They're known for not training very hard. You know, it's just silly stuff like that. Uh, So hats off to you. How how long did all that stuff take to come up with? Actually, you know what? Before we get to that, was you referenced you had a partner with this, but was this only you two, or was this a team of you know five people? So we were the only two programmers on the game, and the only two full time members of the team. But I contracted out to get help on art, and uh, a you know composer did all the music specifically for the game. So it, you know it sort of depends on how you you count all of that. If you were trying to turn it into like the equivalent teams, full-time team size over the course of production, it probably comes out to between two and three. Um, you know, two is probably like the, the truest answer for like team size here. Um, and at the very beginning and at this point, it's just me. Um, so yeah, I, I, a lot of the way that the campaign and, you know, different aspects of the game are structured are to sort of get the best bang for our buck, knowing that I'm not going to be able to, to make, you know, a, giant open world or whatever it is. Um, I wanted to prevent, provide, you know, or to structure the game in a way that felt like it was still pretty big. And so one of those things is like in the campaign, you know, instead of having like a dozen fights or something that are, you know, in a certain scripted sequence, I knew that I could record a lot of different varied enemies and, you know, try to make them feel meaningfully different in their animations and their costumes and all of that. And so I just ran with that. And, you know, there's, something like over a hundred different enemies in the game now. Um, so yeah, the, the hope is that that makes the game feel a lot bigger than a two person indie game. I don't know. The game feels, the game like, feels huge. Professional. Very, very and, professional. And I'll, I'll say it. And we've said it on so many podcasts when we get to talk to the developers, the best games come from studios that have like less than 10 people. It's mm-hmm. like, for some reason that, that three to five is like that magic number. That's the number to putting out a, a game that's meaningful. And we we actually attribute it to it's less corporate-y. You know, there's you want to make or get mm-hmm. something done, you can do it. Not, you know, have to wait a week or a week and a half because you got a 50-person studio and bosses and all this. I mean, well, plus you're the boss. You do whatever <laughs> you want. But, yeah, to, to pump something out that is, it is big. I mean, even if there was no multiplayer it's still a huge ass freaking game. I yeah. Mean, I, I love the campaign. I went through the reviews of it and I saw some people saying the campaign is too minimal for me. That's, you know, no, for someone that, like me, it's needed. Cause if it was strictly multiplayer, I'd get yeah. freaking just constantly destroyed. So and like, what more do you want in the campaign? Post fight press conferences. Like what do, what do we get? What do we do? Any like, additional weapons you can choose if yeah, you want. And the armor that, you know, mess with ridiculous. your stats. Yeah. No, you, you guys, don't give yourself enough credit for what you really put out. And you, this game came out in, was it April, 2020? So this yeah, is a, though, this is an it's, older it's game. Worth noting it's been updated since then, you know, quite a lot. I was still working on the game full time for over a year after it came out. And so a lot of stuff, you know, kind of um, took its, the form that you're seeing it, you know, well after release and including like the um, little snippets of lore for each of the different fighters that was something that I intended and designed from the very beginning, but they didn't actually show up in the game for most of those fighters until I want to say December, 2020. 
So that you know, that was still that was a good like eight months after release, the game was still growing meaningfully. Yeah, I think we even said it on a review that you know, there's updates to the game. It's an active developer. It's not when not you a know, pump my, and dump. No, and in my opinion, it's like I, theoretically, you know, the game came out in 2020. You, you're under no obligation to keep building it. You know, you could have easily shelved it and just started working on your next project. So it's like that level of dedication and passion that people have for their their projects is mind blowing. But it is worth noting. It's not a it's not an abandoned game. The community's community's freaking fantastic. No, yeah. So if you get bored with the campaign, you've already been the campaign. You do multiplayer. Maybe you're a savage. You know, you're you're too good at finding random matches. Go on that Discord, and I promise you, I promise you, go go sign up for a fight night. You know, they'll keep you entertained. <laughs> or even the, the 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 community when you're fighting. It's like I haven't had any, you know, fight. It's like the respect people have in the the arena. Um, you can tell, you know, their wave. It just I, I think I said you get your ass kicked with a smile, really. Yeah, we, we kind of joked about taunting earlier, but anybody who listened to our review, they'll know what we're talking about. It's if you get your ass kicked in this game, it's very graceful. Like uh, the the people are funny, even even with the taunting. It like there's a lot of dancing going on. Like I don't know, it's it's there's no toxicity at all. No, I had I had none. You um, had one sore loser, but that even wasn't. That's not even a toxic thing. So. No, I just beat him good, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> uh, so. You know, you're working on the sequel. I've still seen some updates pop out for this one, but for the most part, what's your attention look like? Is it, you know, are you pretty much done with new updates for Iron Lights for now? Or is it kind of 50-50? Um, I'm not done with updates for Iron Lights. And in fact, I'm starting to, you know, figure out where in my schedule I'm going to fit in the next update. I want to include some of the new armors that have been created some new bots that belong to the people who've won the recent tournaments. And uh, I've promised a couple more April fools weapons for the sandbox mode. You saw the, the pistol and the fish. Those were jokes. And I, you know, a year ago people asked for a couple more and um, I agreed to do that. And now I I find myself having to actually follow (laughs) through on that. So I will be continuing to work on iron lights, but the the updates going forward, they're probably not going to be as, big as the ones that we've done before, the major updates that, you know, included like new game modes and stuff like that. And most of my time, you know, percentage wise, almost all of it is now going to Iron Lights 2, whatever that's actually going to end up being called. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. Are you thinking you're going to call it Iron Lights 2 or because it's so different, are you going to go kind of more of a spinoff title where it's Iron Lights, you know, uh, you know, colon, whatever? Yeah, I, I still haven't really figured out the strategy for that. Um, wh- what I'm thinking now is probably some different word that starts with iron, because I, I think I'm going to, you know, retain some of like the character art and stuff like that. People are going to be able to tell that it sort of is, has a very strong family resemblance to Iron Lights, but I don't expect that. Uh, you know, I, it's not smart to present it as a direct sequel because it's not going to be this kind of one v one fighting game. If you go into it expecting iron lights, but better then you're going to find you you've actually got something very different. So, you know, I, I floated the name iron strike on the discord. I've got, you know, thinking through some ideas along those lines, but haven't decided yet. So well, we'll see. I think that this would be a great opportunity to keep it in the same universe and create some really good lore. Cause what's going on in that state. There's a, there's, right. I don't know for somebody like me with a big ma- imagination. I love the role playing. I love this type of stuff. 
I want to know more about the universe of Iron Lights. You know, there's <laughs> there's there's some shit going on. Who are these guys? Gladiators? Are they slaves? Uh, is it consensual? They're, they're obviously well paid. Is it consensual? Yeah. So I know you had all these they're, you they're had glad. all these questions before you were throwing them at me, and I'm like, oh, you, you really go yeah. deep into some there, of this. There's some people that are bio. It's like training since birth. It's like what you know is Why? this is this the biggest league? Is there other leagues? Like what's going on in the the world of Iron Light? So for for somebody crazy like me, I think that this would be a, a great opportunity to to enter. You know, create create <laughs> some lore. You know, let's create a whole whole good universe. But that's obviously easier said than done. I'm probably going to be sort of forking off into a different fictional universe. So, you know, like there, there has been a lot of requests for a sort of more lore understanding of like what this world is. And for the sequel, I think that's going to be one of the big focuses is like having a fleshed out world, having sort of more direct story and lore and context to everything. But it's probably not going to follow directly from Iron Lights because I think I'm going to go more in like a true fantasy direction. It won't be proper to have this set in the same world where there's a concrete stadium with spotlights and, you know, combat sports, um, you know, definitely more of sort of a adventure fantasy vibe instead. Um, I could, I could try to tell you sort of the lore that's accumulated around iron lights, but, um, a lot of it was, I have like an ask the devs channel on discord where people can ask me whatever they want. A lot of the lore has developed just from me kind of spouting off, answers off the top of my head to very specific lore questions. So it's an, it's an ever building lore. Yeah. It's evolving. Yeah. Changes, <laughs> evolving change. And on the, on the spot, on the fly lore. That's, 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 that's awesome. Also, again, it tells you about the community that, you know, I had to check to see what the, the last rating was on the game. It's, was that 4.3. So, I mean, people love the freaking game. I'm going to assume that anything you put out from this point, if they know that you're attached to it, there's going to be a, a large gathering of people who are going to jump on it. Yeah, a little following. And seemed- I've had no, I never had any glitches with, yeah, I don't think I had any glitches at all. And I like- questioned some of the defensive shit, but, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll know it was me, not the. <laughs> I, I heard you not talking the about that on the, the review. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll say human error, not program error by any means. <laughs> Skill error. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that my biggest issue that I have personally is I don't stick to one character. I can't, you know, there's, there's a good array of, people to choose from and logically i should stick to one and just be happy with it and i can't i you know it's like hey i want to i want to use the sickle or i want to use the hammer and then i have this guy to to go up against and i fail miserably and then i (laughs) play with a different character feel good with the npcs get you on board and then get my ass kicked and it's just been a continuation but i i just i love the variety of characters that you can pick and each has their own 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 play style. Yes, big time. Big time. Yeah, I, so, I think that it, to some extent the sequel is being more directed towards that style of gamer, you know, that, that's more interested in like the variety, trying out a lot of different things, maybe less focused on the kind of brutal competitive 1v1 type of, of scene where, you know, it's 100% skill based, you know, you fight or die. <laughs> it's it's like honestly i don't play that many direct competitive games along those lines I, i'm not that into fighting games you know outside of vr for instance um and so i i think you know i'm really proud of iron lights i love what it became but in some way it's like targeting a gamer that's different from sort of from me i tend to like 
more co-op stuff. I like trying out things and, you know, creatively like constructing different strategies and, you know, testing them out as opposed to sort of uh, what Iron Lights rewards, which is really specializing and training yourself up with a certain set of skills that's going to, you know, take you really far up the leaderboards in multiplayer. I don't think that either of those are better or worse objectively, but I think it is true that people have sort of different styles or like preferences as players and it's totally valid, you know, to prefer one or the other. And I'd like to make games that appeal to everybody. Yeah. It's exactly how iron lights played out with, with um, me and D scruffles. Yeah. No, and I, I won't lie. Cause I'm the guy who jumps everything. I'm like looking at all the other, you know, looking at the variety, including the fish. Um <laughs> Where you just latched onto a character, yeah. And you're like, I grabbed this the ninja, is my guy and I'm not. It's like, how could you not? I think I used the the ninja, the duelist, and then I used the the berserker. Yeah. And I was like, all right, no more. I did the I'm duelist the first, and then after that, it was just too. I'm you know, <laughs> I'm never going to be good at multiplayer because I'm not going <laughs> to not going to sit there and and hone my skills with one guy. Nor am I going to get perfect with all of them. But hey, I cannot wait for co-op i can't say that enough because co-op is my favorite thing in vr uh is working together on a team and strategizing you know so just out of curiosity because you mentioned this isn't you know normally your cup of tea or anything like that where did what was the inspiration for this game how did iron lights come to be um so i actually at some point somebody asked me this on discord and i tracked down the moment that you know the idea came to me which it turns out was july 2017 at 2 a.m. I like had this daydream of a VR combat game and like rolled over to grab my phone and, you know, to wake up and write it down before I forgot. And uh, that is what eventually turned into Iron Lights, but it changed a lot along the way. From the very beginning, the idea was kind of first person up close combat. Like I, I designed a fighting game from the very beginning but the uh, the original conception of it was more like hand to hand combat, more MMA style or something like that, um, and it was it was designed to sort of play with slow motion from the beginning. But the original idea was that it would start kind of ultra slow motion, and then you'd have to play. You know, if you beat that, you'd have to play at like you know twenty percent speed, and if you beat that, you'd have to play at forty percent speed, and if you beat that, you'd have to play at one hundred percent. So it's sort of designed to train you up to like full speed combat. And then I started playing with it and I realized it felt a lot less claustrophobic if you weren't doing hand-to-hand and you had swords. And then I realized that slow motion was super fun and changing the speeds was not that fun. It was really hard to sort of get a handle on. And so I said, you know what? Let's do all slow motion. That sounds amazing. And, uh, you know, it sort of evolved in bits and pieces from from that point. And eventually, uh, you know, I I wasn't able to start working on it full time because I was in the middle of other projects when I had the idea. But... By I think I want to say early 2019, I was uh, you know working on it as like dedicated. This is definitely going to be my next project, and targeting the Oculus Quest. So that was July 2018 that it 2017, came to 2017. 2017. So this was but, from start to finish three years from idea in your brain daydreaming to on the store was about three years. Yeah, but uh, you know I I do have to caveat that. I really wasn't working on it aside from typing out some ideas for like six months, you know, and then I did a little prototyping and then I was finishing other work. And then I started, you know, it was sort of a prototyping phase. 
it wasn't until like late 2018, or early 2019, that the game truly entered production. And, you know, I, I brought Jeff on board and all of that. That's in the big picture of things. That's pretty speedy. That's pretty speedy for the amount of content in the game. Is your background always been programming games? And are yeah, you self-taught, go to much. school or? Yeah, I, I went to school. I got a degree. Uh, I actually created a degree in game design. Like, you know, my college had a special major thing where you could propose a new major. And if the, a group of professors like accepted it, then you could graduate with that. So I, I created the, the game design degree and also majored in computer science. Um, and so that was like the formal training, but it was it was really outside of a professional context and in terms of the game part, like they were teaching me programming and stuff. And uh, I was the one who was choosing to devote that to, to game design. Um, and then I, uh, I got a couple internships in the game industry. I worked for Sony and Bethesda for a little while, like a couple of months as an intern, <laughs> never as a, like a real, you know, employee. Then I, um, I got a job outside of the game industry for a year and saved up some money. And then I went indie in 2012. And I've been doing indie games since then, or since before then, if you include some of the, you know, the games I kind of did on the side. That sounds like a smart move. Yeah, no, congratulations. I don't know if I'd be down for being a a Sony intern. Yeah. I don't, (laughs) I'm I'm just trying to envision what they'd actually have you doing. Well, and you're cutting edge right now. You're on, you know, you're a early Oculus developer. That's OG of the the Oculus world. And what? Yeah, well, that's the kind of the advantage. There was really no business case in, you know, 2013 for doing VR work. Um, but it, it turned out to be kind of a good place to be to, you know, sort of set me up to have some experience for when VR became more of like a viable option. No, timing was absolutely perfect. Yeah. And what's it been like to work with Oculus as well? Uh, have they been, you know, you you got on early, like you said, with the the earlier stores, have they been you know, pretty welcoming, you know, now we have app lab and stuff. You kind of accepted that that's where your, your ports of, you know, your old games would go. Uh, but yeah, what's it like as a, for you as a developer to work with Oculus? Well, they've always, they've consistently been lovely for me. Um, but I, I also like, I'm very much speaking from a, a place of privilege and luck in part because, you know, I was around at just the right time. You know, I went indie and I had a bit of a, a, you know, financial cushion that I could just experiment and mess around with the DK one do VR stuff. Um, at the very earliest stages, Oculus was giving out developer grants and, you know, fairly small sums, but meaningful amounts for single person teams. And so, you know, I, I had to credit them for most of the profit you know, like the, the, the reason that I could keep making VR stuff was kind of because they were paying people like me to make VR stuff. And then, um, when it came to time for the, you know, the quest and iron lights, I'm no longer getting money directly from Oculus, but because they want the stuff that's coming out to their store to be such high quality, they pay for really high quality, quality assurance testing. They make sure that there's a ton of attention given to the game, that you get a lot of support in terms of making sure that it's performant and runs smoothly and doesn't have any big bugs. So yeah, they, they provide a lot of support. They really kind of want the developers to succeed. I think that, there's only so much support that they can give. And so the dark side of that is that they're kind of, you know, choosy and they're picking which games they're going to give that full support to. And then the rest, 
you know, they can't make it onto the quest. It's, at, you know, early on. And now luckily there's app lab as a sort of a way to test stuff out and emerge. Um, and, you know, Iron Lights was accepted directly onto the store. I don't know if Iron Lights 2 is going to be. I can't assume that. And so, you know, I, I think that there's a decent possibility that the game will have to start on, on App Lab and sort of prove itself. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's just sort of like what it's like to see a platform succeeding and growing and sort of, you know, expanding to, to the point that they can't give such individualized attention. Yeah, I have to say up to this point, I've received all that individualized attention. I felt like, you know, they've really given a ton of support, you know, even to very tiny teams like me. And I've appreciated that. I I really hope when things blow up, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Stratus, but I I really hope when things blow up that, you know, the indie developers like you that were there from, from day one aren't forgotten about. But I also think it's important that, you know, when the dust settles, people remember how much Oculus has invested in the small guy early on to get us to this point. But I hope, I definitely hope it stays that way. And, you know, when big studios come in, it, it's not all right. It was nice to know you while, while we knew you, but now we got our, our big relationships. I hope the, the indie dev stays. No, Cause even uh, the, some of the current devs that have just dropped games were saying that the support they got from Oculus was pretty individualized with mm-hmm. like their own, this is your liaison that your go between whatever. And it's a pretty consistent answer. Yeah. That's that's been the theme is that they're they're not ungrateful to be working with you and you feel like there's a sense of they just want and I, I get like it. They, they want yeah, I mean they want to know what the plan for, you know, what's the future gonna be, what's the marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're making an investment. Even it, it got my brain thinking if you know, I don't know how many individual people they have that work with, you know, each developer, but you know, there's a lot of money being spent all across the board from the developer all the way to the Oculus end. So I kind of get it now. Yeah. We rant a lot about how so many games should be on the official store instead of app lab. We're big app lab fans. You know, we yeah. love the indie games. So we're always like, Oh, you know, how is this not on the yeah, official it's just store? time and time and people? Yeah. There's only so, there's so many app lab game titles now. Yeah. More app lab than store games. Yeah, so. so I have a, a pretty off topic question but just out of curiosity what's your favorite stage of the game development do you like when it's just that early idea and you're kind of you know piecing it together daydreaming style do you like when it actually starts to programming or do you like the post-release you know what's your what's your favorite point of it um i'm gonna say it's a tie between that early prototyping stage when you're testing out all these ideas for the first time and then kind of the early alpha stage where the game has kind of been implemented, come together, and you're putting it in front of people for the first time. I think that, uh, you know, it's really rewarding when you can start running true play tests. And it's not like, you know, there's a certain point where it's like kind of too early. You could test stuff out, but it's very limited, or you kind of have to give a lot of caveats and excuses. It's nice when you can just have people play the game. And, you know, I, I guess it, the, the two answers are sort of like, when I get to first play the game in prototyping, and then when other people can first play the game in alpha. That's a legit answer. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good one. Yeah. I, I I think I would get very, I think my adrenaline would pump so much at certain points in game development that by the time the game released, I would actually fear that I would get depressed. <laughs> like that, all that, all that work and build up and mm-hmm. 
I, you did it. And it's like, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd feel good. Yeah, so so I, I love when people put out stuff and then they, they keep working and they feel good about it. Cause yeah. I don't know if I would get into like a little mental rut of, you know, wow, that was, you know, it's done. What do I do? Yeah. Even <laughs> yeah. Though it's, it, a lot it, of highs you- and lows. And, and actually, you know, it's to some extent, the stuff that I'm talking about as my favorite are also kind of the most emotionally trying parts of game development because the moments when you get to search, you know, see stuff working for the first time, and especially when you start putting it in front of other people, those are the moments when you discover all the problems that you hadn't seen before, or all the ideas that you were in love with and the ways that they didn't work, and that you have to figure out some solution for them. So, you know, it's my favorite part of game development, maybe because it's just the most intense part of game development, where there's all the highs and lows of like, oh my God, you know, People are connecting with this vision that I had versus like, oh my God, I'm shit. The game is shit. Nothing works. <laughs> people hate it. You know, you, you get to experience all of that. No, that's that's actually good to know. Because I always like to ask developers, like, what advice would you have for, because this is going more and more mainstream. So I'm sure there's going to be more young people who are going to say, hey. There's a, some 16-year-old somewhere, like, you know, I want to be a game developer how, in VR. How, what, what's the best advice you can give me? So for their for people to know that, look, it's not all fun and games, no pun intended, that there's going to be some emotion to it. Some of it's going to be really good and some of it's going to be, you know, it's going to sting a little or it's, you know, hey, depression's real. So, I mean, that, I I actually never even heard that as the, an answer before. So that's really good. No, the emotional roller coaster, I think that would be the one I'd be on. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, do you have any other tips for anybody aspiring to be a, a game developer? Yeah. Um, my advice is always do the thing. Um, if you want to program games, just start programming games. If you want to like make music, just start making music. Um, you know, and you will start off being really bad, but, uh, you know, as they say, being really bad at something is the first step towards being sort of good at something. (laughs) Um, more specifically make really small games. If you want to make games, and you're just starting out, like the smallest possible game that would be at all interesting to you to, to play. You know, pick up a tutorial and then just twist it in some way that's kind of fun and then give it to your friends. Um, you know, I, my first game was like simpler than, you know, Atari, like Missile Command type games and was done in a week. And that's probably about the, the best scale to start with. And, uh, you know, gradually start making stuff that's a little more substantial. But if you have like a big idea that you're in love with and you've never made a game before, it's it's really easy to drown in that complexity before you can get anything done. And I think it's just really useful to have experience doing the thing, making games, releasing them, testing them out, getting, you know, some experience with that cycle before you try to like make the big successful one. It's good advice. Yeah. I, I love the I best advice you could give is just start doing it yeah don't and don't have any expectation you're gonna be some natural no and i think the the mental thought of you know what would drive somebody to make a game is probably the idea of a game that they have in their head that's probably you know in the brain triple a level this is what i'm so i I can see how again the the highs and lows of you know what you want to do but what reality is giving you since you're doing it yourself you're pretty limited you got to just start so and and uh you know getting good good advice getting good at any skill is the same you know it's exactly what you said you're gonna start very bad you're gonna fail a lot you're gonna (laughs) spend months on it 
you're going to feel like you should be a lot better. You're going to barely have improved, but you just can't give up, give up, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Eventually what seemed impossible is going to be achievable and you, you slowly get better. But I think there's a lot of people, they don't ever really cross that point. They get to the point where it's, you know, they're six months in, you know, obviously they're not great yet, but to them, that's very discouraging. And then they stop and give up. It's very important, you know? That's normal. You just keep going, keep going, keep going. Eventually, you're going to get good. That's just the way life is. There's actually, there's a wonderful clip from uh, Ira Glass, the radio host of This American Life and a bunch of other good stuff. Um, if If you Google Ira Glass on taste, I think you'll find it. But basically what he's saying is that for any creative field, people get into it because they have good taste, because they know sort of what a good version of the thing looks like, and they want to make that themselves. And the kind of the dark side of that is that for a long time, you're not that great. And you have the taste to know that you're not that great. The stuff that you're putting out, is just not up to the quality that you were dreaming of. And so, you know, in, in some way it can, it's like, you have to avoid being self-defeating in that way of having such high standards that you can never meet them. Um, and, you know, sort of be at peace with being a student for a long time, because eventually you will get to the point that, some of that good taste and that vision starts to shine through and you start to be able to actually make the good stuff that, you know, got that the desire to make that stuff is what got you into it in the first place. No, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome advice. I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu a lot and I've seen a lot of people, you know, start and start to do really good, but to themselves, you know, they're not improving at the rate that they should. And it's a long journey to get good. So, you know, they'll get six, eight months in, you know, a year and a half in, and then they give up and it's like, man, you were doing really good. You know, if you had just kept going with it, you know, but exactly what you said, they kind of self-defeat and it's very important. People know, just keep going with it. You know, whatever it is, you're, you're not going to become an expert overnight. It's, it's not going to take a year. It's not going to take two years. It's going to take a long time and, you know, just keep doing it. Eventually you're going to get good. Well, I, I like yeah. to is um, a lot of the developers we talk to, they're small teams putting out good content. And to me, it's like, if, it's an industry you want to get into. It's you're not demoralized by like, Oh, I'll, I'll never be able to work for a hundred man (laughs) studio or I'll, I'll never work for Sony or, you know, whatever the case, you know, you can actually go out there as one human being with a thought and, and put out content that is legit good content. So, I mean, yeah, very few things in life are going to give people the opportunity that at that scale where, Mm -hmm you know, you find one more person with your same passion. It's like, you can, you can do some great freaking things. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, I know we're, we're getting a little short on time. We don't like to keep people, you know, too long past an hour. We know how the developer life is. You're burning at both ends. You know, you barely have time for, you know, your own hobbies. You get some free time. Then, you know, these guys are asking you to talk for an hour and a half. Like it's wild. (laughs) Uh, so just out of curiosity, uh, before we let you go, what are some VR games besides the one you developed that you would, you enjoy to play? Or is it one of those things that you work on all day? The last thing you want to do is game on a headset. Well, um, I, I guess weirdly, um, maybe I'll, I'll like pitch all of my competitors where, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm working right now on, you know, a, uh, sword play roguelite, you know, sequel, um, mostly focusing on, you know, more like the PVE style, um, as a part of that, I've been checking out all the other games that you know are sort of following that same kind of format. Um, Blade and Sorcery, of course, is coming out with a, a roguelite mode. 
until you fall is a fantastic, um, you know, sword fighting game on the quest that has that roguelite structure on app lab blade nomad. No, is that what's it called? Oh, oh I'm killing myself. I, 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 I can't uh, gladius. Gladius is Yeah. That's another good one. Gladius. Uh, Swords of Gargantua. Swords of Gargantua. I I personally, I love that game. You know, I know not, that's not everybody's, but I I loved it. And, and they've, they introduced a, um, sort of roguelike thing going into it, you know, to add this sort of progression structure. Um, oh man, I, I feel really bad because this app lab game was one of the, the, the best of them. Blade master, blade trainer. Oh, I, I'm battle, battle master. Oh, that might be it, it. Battlemaster. It's it's horrible you know, because I know the exact game you're talking about, and I'm blanking just as right. much. I'm just trying to just, act cool just, about it. But, uh, no, I can't hop remember. In from the future and correct. Yeah, me yeah, yeah. It was it was it was really well done. And you know, I, I was I've been like prototyping Iron Lights two for a long time, and I played a lot of these, and I was like, oh, they our designs. You know, some of our design decisions kind of converged into similar places. I think that people, there's going to be some significant differences, but like as I'm playing them, I'm like. Right. No, I get why they made all these design decisions. I get why these games sort of took this shape in this way. And, um, you know, I think it's just a really interesting space to explore. Um, so, you know, secretly I'm planning on blowing them all out of the water and Iron Lights 2 is going to come out and it's going to be the best thing you've ever seen. But they're all really cool and they're all worth checking out if you like uh, sword play and melee action games. Oh yeah, I, I, the community in VR to me is so small right now. It's no, there's like, no competition. There's, there's no, no like competition. rivalries or anything like that. You can't. You know, battle talent. Too- battle <laughs> talent. Thank you. Battle talent. Thank it you. wasn't good job. Anything. God, I'm dumb. Okay, battle talent. <laughs> Wait, no, but it did begin with a B. We have so, a, yeah. a fan of our our podcast on Instagram goes by Kamora uh, Virtual, uh, Kamora Savage. He he loves uh, that game. So it was. Oh it, I, God, I was yeah. thinking of him as soon as you were saying it. I was like, oh, why can't I think of? I know he's going to message me and say, hey. You know, that's, that's the game that's right the there. Damn game. Yep. And then, uh, you know, one one more before we let you go. What's your what was your first experience in VR? My first experience in VR was the Tuscany demo on the DK one, which was a uh, kind of an empty room. It was a a Tuscan villa that you could kind of walk around and walk up and down the stairs. And I think there were a couple of butterflies uh, and a nice skybox. But it was just <laughs> a a Unity demo scene that. Oculus released as sort of a, a test scene for the uh, Oculus DK1 with its, what was it, like 800 by 600 resolution or something ridiculous like that. I don't know how anybody, you know, how we survived back then, but it was cool. You were still sold, still convinced. Well, I, I was convinced that it was at least neat and worth playing with. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I the, and I knew that the tech was going to evolve from there. And I, I think that they did a great job with it. They've, you know... It's been such leaps and bounds from there. And now look at us, you know, good quality. You know, people can say mobile VR or whatever, phone process or whatever. If you ask me, the games on the Quest are amazing. So look at this, wire-free, good processor, good graphics, good resolution. Look how far we've mm-hmm. come, you know. I'm I'm, still. I'm excited for the developers just like you that are going to progress as the technology keeps moving forward and new headsets keep dropping and there's a little more power to be given and that's really what i'm i'm wanting to see the well, people who were there from the beginning versus the ones who i have you know, th- in the next two years are going to jump in i have a theory and let's see if it's if it's correct because right. you know everybody wants to hop in once something is successful 
But to go in when it's early and it's not successful is another thing. So you've spent years developing in VR and it's its own unique talent. I have this gut feeling that as these major studios and publishers move into VR, like EA and like uh, responded with Medal gonna... of Honor, which nothing bad. It was actually a really good game, great campaign. But as we saw in the multiplayer, it's very janky and there was a lot of performance issues. Developing in VR is its own skill. I think a lot of these major studios are going to come into VR expecting to just, you know, make a game and they're going to run into a lot of obstacles. And I actually believe in a couple of years when all these major studios come that the best games, the most polished games, the best functioning will still come from these small indie, you know, small developer teams like you who actually know how to develop in VR. Yeah, they won't be small teams at that point. Yeah, I mean, but they could be small numbers, but you're not going to. If can't it's people who've never in developed indie. in VR before, they're learning as they go. You know, that's kind of what I feel like happened with Medal of Honor. It wasn't people who specialize in VR. They're like, all right, I can game develop. I'll, I'll just make a VR game. And it's not like that. So I, I have a feeling in a couple of years when all these big studios come, the best games will still be from, you know, guys like E. McHale. Resolution games, Vertigo, you know, it's that's No, I won't disagree because they're going to keep progressing. I just, you know, big studios have big money and it, it what would it take? You know, too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, no, I'm just going to say, but what, what would it take for a AAA to, you know, go, well, here's a blank check, Mr. McNeil. Um, <laughs> you fill in whatever you or, need. And yeah, that's my, we'll my dream is that some big studio is going to be like, you know what? We want to buy the Iron Lights IP and we're going to make <laughs> yeah. the AAA version of <laughs> no. your idea. You know, Iron Lights was just the prototype to this perfectly produced giant version of it. Next we'll keep all the mechanics and, and all yep, the cool stuff. Books in the movies. Now and- we have the lore coming in. <laughs> yep, here's the real lore. No, I, I the, the progression's the thing that I'm, you know, you always want to look ahead and see the future, but I'm real anxious because there's a lot of talent. People are showing some flight. This one's, again, been around since 2020 and still holds strong by today's standards. Um, five years from now, you know, what the hell? Yeah, I can't wait to see Iron Strike, Iron Blast, Iron Fist, whatever it's going to be. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, Hey, when that's ready to come out, you have more information, not even what's ready to come out, you know, Hey, you want to drop a release date, whatever. We'd be glad to have you on again, you know, oh, for another absolutely. interview. It was an hour flew by talking with you. These are always the, I know I keep scoping the clock and I'm like, yeah, we went over an hour. Yeah. It happens sometimes. I, I always feel bad because no like worries. I said before, we know how it goes with developers. You guys are, are burning at both ends, but I get, uh, these are my favorite episodes to do. I, I like to, to pick the, pick the brains of the masterminds behind these. So, uh, guys, I, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll let you know, Mr. E. McNeil, get out of here. Before we go, anything else you want to say? You know, maybe plug your Discord again. Uh, yeah, Discord, the link will be available on ironlightsgame.com. And it's an awesome community. It'll help you. you know, they'll help train you up uh, if you're interested. They have some <laughs> like mentor programs for people who really want to get into the competitive scene. So check that out. Nice. Anything else you want to say before we go, Stratus? No, just I'm always happy to. I mean, I, I leave with a, a notepad full of oh, scribble no. <laughs> to, to go back on as I put all the pieces of the puzzle together. But it's always an, an honor to be able to talk to the people who make the things that we enjoy playing. It's like people don't always know the stories behind it. And oh, there seems absolutely. to be a lot of interest with people hearing them as well. So absolutely. So, yeah, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hopefully we can have Mr. E. McNeil back on when uh, absolutely this, the sequel or spinoff or whatever it ends up being, you know, is ready Doesn't to matter. come out. Yeah, I, I can't wait. and. uh you know, be sure to subscribe, rate us five stars, and, you know, stay tuned for Wednesday's episode. We're reviewing Ragnarok, another fun uh, rhythm game. So stay tuned.